0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my show. I'm your host, Jessica Moore, and today I'm introducing to you Mr. Brian Tupper and his student, Eliza brian tupper is the founder of florida international school and eliza was his very first student and she's expected to graduate in august 2022 so i'm super excited for you to get to know him his mission behind this movement that he created with his school and all the amazing things that he are doing that he is doing with his students so without further ado please welcome mr brian tupper so Thank you so much for being here on my show today. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. I know I introduced you both in the beginning, but could you just go into a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world?
1: Well, my name is Brian Tupper. I am the founder of Florida International School, and I've been a, spent a lifetime in education. And over the past two years or so, right before the pandemic started, I was um, inspired to really try and make a big difference in the world, and especially in the field of education. I spent 18 years in traditional education, and I didn't think it was preparing our students for their future. So I got into digital learning um, before the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, pretty much everybody was doing what I was doing. So I focused on developing a COVID learning relief plan and, or recovery plan. And I've been lucky to have Aliza as one of my, she's been my first student and I've been able to basically take a lot of the ideas that I have. And she's been, her and a couple of other students have really been helpful to me in giving me valuable feedback in everything that I've been doing. And I've been able to help. Her grow as a student um, because she wasn't able to go to school where she is. Aliza, do you want to tell your story a bit?
2: Sure, sir. So, as Miss Jessica has told you, my name is Aliza Akmal. I was actually born in Pakistan. Both of my parents, they're Pakistanis, and but we've been living here in Thailand for quite a long time now. It's been almost nine years, and so... In the beginning, we were not aware of the education system, so my parents didn't take a step into getting me into a school, and I was just used to study online with the resources I got. But then after a few years, I decided to go to the school, but then the teachers uh, messed up with the documentation a little bit and didn't give me the full information. So then I realized that if I keep going on like this, I'm going to be like 25, 28, and I wouldn't even... And I would still won't be able to finish my high school. And that's not what I wanted because I wanted to get onto my career path as soon as possible. So luckily, my father's friend, Mr. Tupper, who would come to his restaurant very often, told him that he is starting his own online school. And my father told that to me. Uh, honestly speaking, I was not sure how it's going to work. But my mother, she she just sees the opportunity. And she's like, you got to go for it. Just go meet him. Whatever. Just you have to go. So I met with Mr. Tupper. And thankfully, he was inspired by me. He was not disappointed. He uh, like appreciated me so much and asked me what I want to do so this is the first time that a teacher who from school is asking me what I want to do and what I want to learn rather than exposing stuff on me and it was very wonderful the ideas Mr. Tupper had they were amazing and I was very inspired by it and then I started with the school I started doing projects I made my first project I messed up again Mr. Tupper the hero he got in and he was not like oh, no, this is not how it works. This is not, no, no, no. He, he was not like that. He was like, yeah, amazing work. But if you just do that, if you just do this, you can, like, growth mindset, you can turn it into, it into, It can be better. And I listened to him. I worked on it according to that. And until now, I am growing. I am working. I I got defined careers. I am working on my career pathway which I want to be a doctor he gives me stuff that is going to help me be there not just giving me science social and arts and doing making me do a bunch of stuff that is totally unnecessary but I'm doing stuff that is unnecessary and is going to provide me a very bright future which I'm very hopeful of
0: that's amazing okay so I don't know if I kind of missed this part so Mr. Tupper you are in wait did you used to live overseas or, and then, can you <laughs> can <Okay>. you explain? <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I just it's, it's, heard it
0: was two different countries at the coffee shop. So I'm like, okay, wait. <laughs> so it, it's a
1: crazy story. So I, I started teaching and started my career in Florida. I spent, you know, my first couple of years teaching in, in rural Northeast Florida, Jacksonville.
3: Mm-hmm. I
1: moved from teaching elementary students at the beach to teaching inner city students in Jacksonville Middle School. It was a very big difference. It was, but it was an eye-opening experience and it was one of the, you know, the funnest experience I've had. Like I spent eight years and just, it was, a, it was definitely something fun, but I had also a lot of frustrations because with the public education system in Florida, everything very disenfranchised because I was told, you know, basically in like 2000, you know, around 2008, that we weren't allowed to even talk about climate change. I was told by a teacher, like, you can't teach climate change. It's, in the, it's against you know, the governor saying, it was Rick Scott at the time, you can't, you can't even email about climate change. And I was like, no, this, that's, this is their problem. We need to teach about it. And they're like, you can't. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, you know? And then they, they went after me for doing project-based learning. They told me I was a reading teacher and not a social studies teacher. We don't get paid to teach social studies. And at that point, I was like, I'm out of here and I need to make a change. It wasn't going to be going from county to county or from school to school. I needed a, a reboot. And I ended up going to a job fair, took a job in Korea, South Korea at a brand new school. And I helped them get accredited. But when I was there and I was in Korea, my basically my second home when I would always take vacations is I would go to Thailand and, you know one of the places I would always go to watch my Arsenal soccer games was her father's restaurant. And, we would, and it was a Middle Eastern restaurant. It was just, a, it was a lot of, you know, people from different cultures and backgrounds. And I absolutely loved it. It was just a place where everybody got together and could talk. It was this big melting pot of cultures. And her father was from Pakistan. would always come over, watch the games with me. We'd always chat. And he, he was gone for two and a half years. I think they were in Malaysia. They come back a month month before I was about to leave my, to come back home to the United States. My dad uh, was getting sick. He needed surgery. And uh, we met about a month, maybe a month before and just said, here, I'm like, let's connect. We created the account and I just started helping her out. So we only met one time, but that was about two years ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's ever since then, she's become probably one of the most important and influential students I've ever had in my entire 20 plus year career
0: wow that is absolutely amazing so I definitely can resonate with you when it comes to like just hearing your story as a teacher resonate with me and my story as a social worker and how you get to a point where it's so much red tape and there's so many you know different type of rules and regulation and it's like but we're not really preparing the children for success as an adult. So I, I just, I'm loving this conversation that we having right now. That's so good. were there any obstacles that you face along the way of trying to build and found your own school?
1: Oh, too many to count. You know, it was, and, but I, I will tell you this, it was when I first started out, I'm like, oh, I got it. It's gonna, I'm gonna be, this thing is gonna be ready to go tomorrow. And that was about two years ago, <laughs> you know? And it's still this, this slow work in progress. And the pandemic, it, everybody's like, oh, you should be doing great. And I was like, this is the time to learn. I'm like, everybody's doing things. And what I the reason why I really started it was there was this massive problem that I saw in education. I grew up, my, my mom, when I was growing up, she was also, uh, before she became a social worker herself, she basically was the care taker for all the teachers' kids. So all the teachers' kids would come on the bus with, you know, back to our house, and the teachers would come, talk to my mom, and you just heard all the gossip, all the teachers' gossip. My dad was on the school board for 13 years, so at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday night, I heard all the other behind-the-scenes gossip, and I became, I, when I got into my education, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I, I majored in elementary ed and also political science and history. And so I had this, you know, really wealth of knowledge and I just never really was happy with the public education system. I didn't think that this one size fits all education system that they believe works doesn't, you know, and everybody kept telling me, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Nothing you can do about it. And I was like, well, I'm going to think about it and I will figure it out. And when I started using, when I went to Korea, I got my master's degree in ed tech in multidisciplinary studies from SUNY Buffalo, completely online. And I was like, if we can do this for adults, why can't we do this for K through 12? And I I started to realize that the future of education could be in digital learning and at the home. And the technology that I was using was Nearpod and vocabulary, and I was piloting Google Classroom. So I was like a really early adopter for a lot of the technologies that teachers started adopting during the pandemic. Probably what experts are saying is that the the push for these technologies probably accelerated three to five years from where they would have been before they would have really been implemented in the courses. So I look at that as a silver lining going forward. Yes, a lot of students lost a lot, but a lot of teachers learned a lot. And it's hard to teach teachers something. Teachers are awful students. You can. T- I'm telling you right now, they are the worst <laughs> students in. The, like I've had to give presentations to teachers. I'm like children. You guys are. Awful. You know, <laughs> I would much rather deal with children than teachers any day of the week. But you know, the 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 hardships that I had were you know, just thinking that I was going to be successful before I was, and finding success in different ways was really the best way to overcome it. Like I would find success in Eliza's success. And so I didn't need to have that financial reward to know that my reward was, you know, like I, as I told her, you know, I'm like, I didn't get in this for the money. I got in it for, to make an impact. And that's really, I knew as a teacher in the classroom, I was making a, I was making a difference, but I wasn't making an impact on education. Mm. And I, I want to make more than a difference. I want to make an impact and I want to leave a legacy. And that's kind of how I got into it. Too many challenges to really, you know, sit there and list, but yeah. <laughs> um, instead of the challenges, I kind of look at the results and I, you know, always look at my students for in the and see how much they've grown. And that in that reflection of them, I see how much I've grown as myself and as a person and as a, as an educator.
0: So I think you said a few things that were really important in the first one. You glossed right over it. You said that you believe that you were going to be successful long before you were. And I think that's important because that's the first step is taking that bold action. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people can't see that vision is bigger, especially when you're coming out of any type of education, whether it's early childhood, psychology, social work, or whatever it is, a lot of times we get programmed on how to fulfill somebody else's vision without actually like going after our own and saying, you know what, I wanna be a change agent. So Aliza, I wanted to ask you, how has Mr. Tupper's decision to go boldly after his dreams helped you to be able to follow yours?
2: Uh, I cannot name one way because it was not easy for me to get an education as long as I can remember. It was not easy for me, especially as an immigrant. My parents couldn't afford me to give me a private tuition. If I would go to a government school, we didn't. If, I wouldn't blame my parents. It's okay. Not everybody knows how it works. They didn't know how it works, so it couldn't work out for me too. And my mother would worry all the time like, if I cannot finish high school, what what about university? I mean, I want to be a doctor. It's important for me to go have an education. I can I cannot just take courses or diplomas. Mm-hmm. I need proper education. And for when we found Mr. Tupper, he was guiding me to the to the most correct path. I was looking at my future from where I am right now. And he was giving me the right things and he's giving me hope. I can educate myself regardless of Uh, papers he he don't require the best thing I love about it is is that he's not giving us to sign a form every month we are not filling out papers he we don't have to worry that oh we didn't got this and it's this thing is going to happen a little time later what is it going to impact my education it doesn't he doesn't need anything all he wants is that for me To be passionate about my education i think it's it's the best thing a teacher could want i can study online it's totally remote i'm doing everything online and all i need is my computer and i can make projects i can learn about all the different things around the world when we get into class i am meeting new people i'm meeting students from around the world and they're from different places they have different stories different cultures they share that with me i share my culture my stories with them so i don't think there could be a better way of me to get education than this one.
0: Wow, this is so amazing <laughs> to be able to like see the impact like it's one thing to say, I wanna make a difference and or I wanna make an impact, but to actually see you talking about your vision that you just created two years ago and then miss, uh, uh, pronounce her name again.
1: <laughs> Aliza, it's okay. <laughs>
0: Aliza, <There's, laughs> Aliza coming on and actually saying how your decision changed her life and is continuing to change her life as she goes out and pursues it. I believe like out of all my interviews, this is like one of the best ones because (laughs) it's a visual impact. It's not somebody just coming on here and we hope that they are telling the truth, (laughs) but it's like being able to actually see the difference and the impact that you make in in your students is absolutely amazing. So my next question is, what advice do you have for those who are afraid to go after those dreams that they have or people that may feel like their impact isn't good enough or isn't enough, just in general not being enough? What advice do you have?
1: I think the best advice I ever heard, and I I, I naturally always took it. And when somebody said it to me, it made sense. Make yourself uncomfortable if you want to be successful, because if you're just staying in the same routine all the time, you're nothing's going to change. I I understood that when I was in Jacksonville and I had to make that that big shift of literally taking up, leaving everything. I even had to leave my dog behind. And it was the hardest. That was the hardest thing I had to do. But I ended up renting out my condo with my dog so she didn't have to leave. And she ended up living an extra two and a half years with these, these two girls and my dog was happy as all, you know, so that was the, it did have a happy ending, but it was very hard, but I had to, I had a once in a lifetime opportunity to start, start my life anew. And I went, that's what it happened when I was in Korea. And I was, I did it because I wasn't happy with what was happening in education. Mm. And I had this clean slate in Korea. It was awesome. And these kids inspired me because they had, you know, they brought their A game to class every day. So I had to bring my A game. I had to really go back and I had to go get a new education. I had to go and learn how to use a computer to teach because what I learned in that class was this generation, these 21st century learners, they're digital natives. They'll never know a time without the internet. Now we are digital immigrants. We've had to adjust. We remember having to go to library (laughs) We remember having to, you know, the Dewey decimal system that we, it was so important to learn, you know, everything that we learned is, you can get on Google now, most of it, you know, that, that memorization and all that, that's really not the way that this generation learns. It's more project-based learning. And that's kind of like, start with, this is the best advice I always try and give my students because it's the philosophy I use in education is start with the end in mind. Where do you want to be? Mm -hmm. and then work your way there and it's not going to and it might be you have to get up and move and change because if you're just comfortable you're never going to make that difference if you make yourself uncomfortable even when i was in korea and i had a principal come in and tell me we're going to teach common core math now to korean students and i was like absolutely not i'm not teaching Mm -hmm. common core math to korean students these kids come in here testing at you know 80 percent of them were testing the 90th percentile or above at the beginning of the year in fifth grade. So I was using Khan Academy. So everything was personalized. Mm
3: -hmm. And he's
1: like, no, 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 we're gonna, you have to read from a script. And I was like, I'm done. And then I ended up going to Baku, Azerbaijan to teach at a British school there. So I learned the British curriculum. But at the same time, I just kept noticing these same patterns, this big inconsistency in education. And we have the tools now to personalize education Mm -hmm. and schools just aren't using them because they don't wanna make this change because Change is going to, change is not what they like to do in education. They like to go with the status quo. That status quo for the longest time is make you smart enough to to work, but not smart enough to think. And I can't deal with that. I make my kids, I teach them how to think, not what to think. And that's, that makes all the difference in the world.
0: Mm, I love that. I love all of that. (laughs) So what is next for you?
1: Oh, next for us is really, it's our, we have we're trying to grow our enrollment really is what we're doing right now. We just finished our first year and Aliza finished her, what was it? Her eighth project that you did this year. Yes. The, eighth the whole,
2: one still working.
1: Don't <laughs> worry. Working on our ninth. <laughs> and, but the amount of work that she puts into her, her academics is really inspiring to me. And when I get teachers who, who are driven, it inspires me to find more. And, and I've, basically spent this pandemic creating this COVID learning recovery plan Mm. that can apply not just to a student like Elisa, but to any student. The the whole motto is, you know, we can teach anyone, anywhere, uh, because the world is our classroom now, Mm. Uh, and that's really what, you know, at the end of the day, we can do, we have the most, we're in possession of the most powerful tool ever ever in education. like education is the most powerful tool to change the world. Mm-hmm. And we have so many resources to individualize everybody's le- student learning journey. And you know education everything's going to be different after the pandemic. Education is going to look different too. I mm-hmm. think the brick and mortar traditional model, while everybody's clamoring to get back there, the big reason that they're clamoring to get back into school is not just for the parents. But for the, the, the government wants them because they want testing money.
3: Yeah. It's
1: all big money. That's all it's about. It's not about, so I know that they're not going to focus on what happened last year. They're just going to be like, okay, well, we're just going to worry, not worry about these past two years. Let's pretend that we're going to move on. Um, that's not going to help them recover. A lot of 97% of teachers said that their students felt learning loss. And I don't, I see my students and I saw learning growth. So we're a success story of the pandemic. And so what we want to do is kind of grow that and share our story. And we, what we're looking at doing is creating a podcast of just our small group of students that, you know, we're going to do our lessons together. We're going to put it online. Students are going to be able to sign up to join a global Google classroom, and they'll have access to all of our resources, like a subscription-based model. And then if they want to have the live lessons with teachers, with say me or one of our like We have teachers in different parts of the world. So we're going to be able to offer flexible scheduling and we really are going to be able to do something, I think, really special in education and really very disruptive in education because it's been my goal to make that impact. And I've, I've worked very hard at it and I'm confident in what I'm doing. It's just now having to learn how to spread the message properly. And, you know, when the class that, you know, we've been taking, you know, with Prince EA and the Viral Impact Studios.
0: Shout out to Prince EA. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but, you know, as I told you before we got on, it was, I had, what that, what this class has taught me is to, that I was using too many words and it was drowning out my voice. Mm. So I'm really even trying to practice and it's practice Using the right language—that your words matter—and I think we all learned that over the past couple of years.
3: Mm-hmm. When
1: looking at how society has changed, words do matter.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the things that I just—I just take the lessons that I'm learning and I apply them to Eliza, her projects. Like she just created this amazing project on sonograms, right, Eliza? Yeah. And um, sonogram. And I was looking at it and I was like, I was taking her, what we learned in our course. And I was like, well, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have, you, you don't, you don't have your face in there. You need to, you know, we need to, we want you to be able to, <laughs> you know, you gotta build your brand Aliza. And then I was like, when I saw like little things and I was like, Hey, don't put a punctuation mark there. Like just sometimes no punctuation is better than, you know, any punctuation
3: mm-hmm. and
1: just, but it's getting hard now to critique her because she's getting so good at our projects. That I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be, I don't know what I'm gonna do when she's just and she's already doing stuff better than me. So, you know, that's that's the best part about this whole program is I'm teaching her things that I have no clue cool about. I just I become this facilitator of learning. Like she's doing projects on you know, MRIs and sonograms and you know, what was the breast cancer? Breast cancer awareness. So she created a PSA for breast cancer awareness. Sorry that you believe it. Uh, she did a project on her first one was on Project Smile for dealing with students or children with cleft lips. She's done, she's led and mentored uh, younger students and done projects with them on forest on like it's all about green education. So where are we going in the future? It's going to go green education. Mm. Uh, the goal for her to, is to finish, and our next goal is to get accredited through Cognia so that we can graduate her with a green education diploma, the new GED you know, and allow her to go and she could take an accredited international school diploma and apply to colleges with that. So that's wow. the next step. And and they, 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 so we're registered with the Department of Education in Florida. We're a Cognia School Improvement Network. So that means that, hey, we're going to be one of 86,000 schools that they accredit. They accredit schools in 85 countries all around the world. Mm. So- that's that's where we're going, and that's that's the hope. Is that I want to get her famous, and we're going to make sure that she gets into medical school. So anything we can do to make sure that she's successful, then that's that's my goal. You know, that's what I, I, I need to it. have.
0: I love it. So you are hiring teachers and looking for students right now, right?
1: Absolutely, we're growing, and we okay. have. Oh, go, ahead. Sorry.
3: go ahead.
1: Yeah, we're and the model like so. This is my baby, right? So the. There's the private school. So one of the best parts about owning a private school is, especially in Florida, is that the Department of Education does not control any part of the curriculum that we have. So while they are sitting there in public schools and are trying to erase critical race theory, Mm
3: -hmm. we
1: proudly teach it because we teach history using primary sources. It's very unbiased. It's everything in history, I'll let Aliza, Aliza, how, how, how would you explain history after you're dealing with my social studies uh, nonsense?
2: <laughs> history has patterns and if you don't learn about them, you're rebound okay. to repeat it. So it's important to learn about history if you don't want to repeat the same mistakes. That's amazing.
3: I love
0: the way that's put. That's absolutely amazing. So, how can people find how can they find out about enrolling into your school and also how to become a teacher?
1: So, to to enroll, you can follow us there's um, at fla in school f l a i n t school. We're on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're, but we're really just starting those sites up because uh, we just I wanted to come out with a clean slate um, when we started it, because when we started the rebranding of the messages, I was like, you know, let's, let's change the title, let's change the handle, and let's grow really more organically when we have a really precise message.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: FloridaInternationalSchool.com is where they can go and learn more. Our site is, again, being redone as as we speak. So
0: it should be um, done by uh, the time. It goes
1: absolutely. Out. By the time that it goes out, it'll be done. <laughs> that,
0: that'll <laughs> give
1: you a little pressure. A <laughs> little pressure, a little pressure. You got it. Um, and actually one of my former students in Korea is developing the site. He's a, he's a IT genius. And he's just, I had him in my student council when he was in third grade. He's going to be a senior this year. Yeah. And, you know, so, and, and the thing about for teachers is here's the way that we look at teachers is it's a tuition share. I've never been one to, you know, as I said, I never really got into this for the money. I've always been in it for, to help families and to help teachers and to help students. And, you know, it will help me eventually, but the, the goal is to, if a teacher has four students, we split the tuition. So the tuition is only $99 for live, t- for live, uh, lessons, it's $99 a week and they'll get four lessons, um, that are 60 minutes. So they, it's four days a week. We don't go into the weekend. Every every kid gets a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's extra it's four extra instructional hours a day. And for the teacher, they can come home, they can recruit their own students, and we pay them. So if they end up having four students, they'd make 50 bucks an hour. If they end up having 20, they'd make 250. And having had to work in the service industry to support my teaching career, uh, when I was in Florida, I had to work two jobs, knowing that if I go home and, and just teach online. And make that money, then that's a secondary job for a teacher who still loves. I, I do miss being in the classroom,
3: mm-hmm. but I know
1: that my impact has to be made out of it, and it's so it's a sacrifice that I had to make, giving up something that I love. But again, to make myself uncomfortable to succeed, I had to make that big change, and that's I think that's the biggest step I want to make, any from now on, uh, because I'm, I'm actually about to live my dream, which is that I'm going to be able to teach anywhere I want. So. It's given me the opportunity to, my dad got sick. He needed spinal fusion surgery. So I was able to come home. And when he was in the hospital for a month, I was able to help my parents out. And then my mom ended up having to have a, uh, she fainted, needed a pacemaker surgery. And so that all happened in like right January, 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I was just kind of stuck here. They went to South Carolina. So I was just here by myself and just working on this, you know, overcoming this loneliness with this goal and I had luckily my students who kept me sane um, and kept me motivated and kept me going to really try and do something and create something that could make an impact on not just Aliza but other students around the world.
0: I love it. I love all of it. So Miss Aliza, can you talk a little bit about what is next for you? What are your goals?
2: What
0: what are your long-term and short-term goals?
2: Short-time goals? i would say to do as best as i can regarding my education be a good mentor for our primary students and long time goal first i would i because i was here since the beginning i've seen how hard Mr. Sapor had worked on it so I would love to see our school grow I would and also not just our school grow I want other kids kids to experience what I have experienced I want them to get such quality education because it's different it's new it's fresh it's modernized you don't get t- taught like this at schools I want students to experience such education and personal goals I want to be a doctor I probably want to go to college, get my bachelor's degree, and then pursue with medical school and become a general surgeon and help as many people as I can. I
0: love it. So did you all have any last words
2: before we close out? Aliza? I would just say that I'm a proud student of this school. I don't think that my parents have made a better decision than this in their life. This was their best decision. This was my best decision. And I love the way I learn. I don't get frustrated and thinking about the thought that I have to, I am not a a morning person. I don't like waking up on the clock, so I don't have to think about waking up seven in the morning and going to school, being all exhausted and like yawning in my class. (laughs) I'm fresh every time I'm taking class. I can I can study whenever I want. I'm independent. I'm an independent learner and I get education, educated, and I am the part of the kindest generation. And it's the best thing you can experience. I love it.
1: And that's what we call, we, our motto is we teach the kindest generation. That's kind of like when it all started out with it, the foundation of this whole entire school, and this is in, this will help any of your viewers understand what do we want? Like, what are we looking for in teachers? What are we looking for in students? Mm-hmm. It comes down to four simple values and it's the acronym kind. So mm-hmm. this is what we believe in, you know, K knowledge is power. Like we believe in science. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't, that's going to eliminate a lot of people, but we, (laughs) you know, we, we believe in facts. We make sure that everything that we're doing is based on facts and we use primary sources and we really want to make sure that if you're going to be kind, you're knowledgeable, you understand how the government works. You understand how science works. You understand different parts of society. The I stands for inspire others. We want you to inspire others to do great things to do amazing things. And we don't want you to, we want you to inspire, to be inspired by other amazing leaders who are doing good for humanity. Yeah. Um, the end is never give up. And that one, that's my favorite one because it's it's really, it's a growth mindset. And I think that's what you see the biggest the biggest shift in our entire, it's not right, left, it's nothing, it's all brains. It is a fixed mindset, versus right. a, a growth mindset. You know, the fixed mindset does not want to change. They're always like, it, it's just that's neurology. I mean, like
0: the majority.
1: Yeah, and it's the majority, but it's just this growth mindset is. It's the new way to te- to teach. It's it's a theory developed by Carol Dweck, who is you know studied the brain and that you can train your brain. It is a muscle,
3: yeah. um,
1: and when you teach it that not never give up, you I I can feel like my 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 mind my whole mindset has shifted as I you know, continue to uh, learn more and, and don't be afraid to continue to learn. And the last one is the most important. It's diversity of strength. Yeah. And if we understand that we can, we are all in this together yeah. um, and we need to help each other. I don't care what color your skin is, what you believe, you know, you are a human being. We are all human beings. We're all on this. We have one fight that is together and we have to join together because we have A crisis that is like the pandemic may have been our generational crisis. It's not theirs. Mm -hmm. theirs is the climate crisis, and we have to prepare them for their future. Like everything we do aligns the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals to basically make sure that in ten years or twenty years that the world is it's going to look different, no matter what. If we don't do anything, or if we do do something, Mm
3: -hmm. we have
1: to make that. We can't just sit around and pretend that this is not happening. Yeah. And so the goal that we can all do is, you know, help out. And the best thing that we can, the best thing that I could offer to help our planet is education. And yeah. I just happen to be really good at it. Yeah. So and I it's my passion. I love it. It brings me joy. And you can see that right here, like you can look at Elisa. And everybody who says that distance learning doesn't work, they're wrong. It can work if you use the right tools. And she's perfectly, she's perfect proof that you know distance learning can be effective. And I, I can't wait to see her graduate from medical school. That is my goal. Love
0: it. So, what grade are you in, Miss Aliza?
2: I am currently a senior in high school.
0: Oh, okay. And you getting ready to graduate
1: soon. I'm excited. She's 17 and her she just actually had her cousin who lives in Pakistan. Now, this is great for me Mm -hmm. because Malala was one of my heroes, my heroines, you know, because of how much she loved education. So I always call her, oh my gosh, she's she's our Malala, you know. And you know, it it really means something because thinking about how Malala fought a Pakistani girl fought to get an education because she couldn't, and to be able to you know, provide a Pakistani girl as my first student with an education for her to turn out like Aliza, you know. And then she just brought in her cousin who's a little bit older, but who just graduated, but was so excited by what happened with what Aliza was doing, she wanted to join, mm. uh, even though she had already graduated because of the wow. projects that Aliza was creating. So wow. it's 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 been fun. And we're just looking to grow organically <laughs> and really make a change.
2: It's all about inspiring. <laughs> Oh, well, this
0: has been amazing. This has been great. So I just want to thank both of you for taking time out of your schedule to be here today and to do this interview. And oh sorry, did you want to say something?
1: No, no, no. I just want I was gonna say thank you so much. This is being um filmed on Juneteenth. I want to wish you happy Juneteenth Day because I'm really excited about that. There was a we watched, we did a video on it yesterday. We had a special a special class yesterday, we usually have Fridays off, but I was like, hey, we just got in the law. We're gonna, we're gonna make sure we learn about it today in a way to honor it um, so we can celebrate it today. And Thank it's a great way to celebrate it today, today with you. So one of the things that I have a, a strict advantage of is I am a Nearpod pioneer. And Nearpod is one of the amazing educational resources that really saved a lot of teachers and a lot of students during the pandemic. And we use that a lot in our, in our class. We use that and we use vocabulary, which is kind of like teaching through hip hop. But one of the most important things that we're allowed to do as a private school, I had to make this big decision of allowing my students to kind of hear content that some might find offensive. For example, when George Floyd, the trial was going on, I had to to try and find a way to explain to Aliza, who's a Muslim Pakistani girl living in Thailand. And then to a young, you know, other, you know, children in different parts of the country, you know, where, what is it like? What does it feel like? But I, as a white man, I can't explain to them what it feels like to be a black man or a black person in America or a person of color in America or a minority in America. So I use resources. So when we had George Floyd, I let Dave Chappelle explain to them what people were feeling. So his 846 special, we watched together as a, as a class. So it's the first time, like in my career, I've actually had, you know, somebody dropping an F-bombs and, and being like, and I got to, and I got to watch the reactions. And I was like, I was laughing because it was like, they, they took it like it was, they took it so seriously. And it's like, because it is an important issue. And, Really looking at primary sources, I think one of the best ways to learn is through the lens of comedy. Yeah. So we'll even use people like John Oliver, Trevor Noah, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, you know, because they use Jimmy Kimmel, they use all these uh, primary sources, but take it with a little bit of mm-hmm. comedy. But, you know, it's a it's a way to look at things and how how views and biases are shaped. And that's really kind of one of the main things that we want to do is to make sure that all of our students can understand the difference between what is real fake news, what is propaganda and,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, how do we, if we're gonna make a positive impact on the society, we need all voices, not just voices that look like me. And that's just the truth, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that's amazing and, and you know, I'm always finding nuggets and things that people say and I feel like the fact that you said, it didn't really matter what like when you talked about the Dave Chappelle video it was more about the message behind it you know like a lot of times we get to a point where we're like well I can't I can't show that you know I'm yeah. a I'm a teacher I can't do that and you know like understanding that the message was more important than the delivery yeah. I find that just phenomenal and I love everything that you're doing in
1: your school. If you look at it, I always look at it and I explain it to it like this. I was like, there are four letter words and there are curse words. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, if somebody drops the F, the F word or the N word, one has a lot more power to it. And, you know, so they have to understand like you, the way words are used in context, like we said, words matter,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but also voices matter. You know, and I think that people of color have had their voices not heard in education for most of most of the century. And again, if I wanna try and make a positive change in education, I have to use all the resources available to me. Yeah. And I'm going to, especially, you know, we have to talk about like Aliza, who's Muslim. You know, we talk about the differences that we have and we learn from each other. We don't, you know, it's, it's an amazing way to learn. And I love it when it was just one of the best moments Was one of our, Lila said to her, oh, I, I love your hijab that she was wearing one day. And I was like, oh, look at that, you know? <laughs> was, um, and this embracing of other cultures and this diversity of strength, it's not just a catchphrase. It is actually, it's a belief that, we, that I have. And we have a long way to go in this country. Mm. Uh, so the, the foundation of every civilization is education and you know that's where we're at and so let's we can build again and that's where we're at we're at the beginning so anybody wants to help us build it i'm more than happy to to have more people we're just building a team right now a, a team of kindness
0: i love it i love it so i'm i'm gonna put this part in
1: <laughs>
0: but this was amazing did you have anything else you wanted to say
1: i'm good i just had a i really appreciate the time thank you so much it was really to one help you know when i heard you saying in that course that you know your your interviews are doing better than other ones i'm like oh i love to interview (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i'm I'm gonna turn off the record so it won't be too long to edit
1: yeah so i just want to say
0: thank you so i will see you all in the next video bye
3: Bye bye-bye